Welcome to Bitchy History, the irreverent history podcast that would like you to just sit quietly, not touch anything, and for God's sake, do not say that 2024 is your year. We don't need to be jinxed. Welcome to the first episode of Bitchy History for 2024. The first episode should have been on the 4th, but the 4th was also the start of my spring semester, and there was just no way that I was going to get an episode done and get an episode out at the same time, so here we are. This semester, I'm teaching again, having taken literally the least relaxing sabbatical from teaching last semester that was ever possible. I seriously think that last semester was more stressful than the semester where I was teaching four units of Intro to American History back-to-back with no time for lunch. Don't ask me how, but it was. In any case, I'm back to teaching history at the university, Intro to American History for the incoming freshmen, and a couple of upper division courses, including American History from 1945 to present, which was a wildly stressful class to put together because my perfectionism is at its absolute worst when it comes to topics I'm passionate about, and the American Cold War is kind of my wheelhouse, at least as far as the cultural and social history is concerned. Which brings us to the topic of today's episode. Barbie. Yes, it's 2024 and we're still talking about Barbie. Though to be fair, the point of today's episode isn't about Greta Gerwig's absolutely iconic 2023 film, because this isn't a film review podcast, and also it's been a bit since that came out. It's a history podcast, so instead we'll be looking at the history of Barbie and her relationship with feminism. As a modern woman and feminist, Greta Gerwig movie aside, there's a certain way we're meant to react to Barbie these days. In fact, Gerwig really grasped that social expectation in one specific scene of the film. Come on, Sasha. Give it to her. Destroy Barbie. Okay, Barbie. Let's do this. You've been making women feel bad about themselves since you were invented. I think you have that the wrong way around. You represent everything wrong with our culture. Sexualized capitalism? Unrealistic physical ideals? No, no, no. You're describing something stereotypical. Barbie is so much more than that. Look at yourself. I am technically stereotypical Barbie. You set the feminist movement back 50 years. You destroy girls' innate sense of worth, and you are killing the planet with your glorification of rampant consumerism. Sasha and her friends, ironically supposedly named for the Bratz dolls of the early 2000s, have what I like to call a chronically online take about Barbie. There's some nuggets of truth buried in there. I mean, Mattel sells Barbie as a mass consumer product that generates a fuck ton of plastic and paper waste. That can't be denied. But other parts of the statement are the stereotypical complaints against stereotypical Barbie that ignore the historical importance of the doll and what she meant to the women's rights movement when she was created. But again, Gerwig knew this and gave us that information right up front. Since the beginning of time, since the first little girl ever existed, there have been dolls. But the dolls were always and forever baby dolls. The girls who played with them could only ever play at being mothers, which can be fun, at least for a while anyway. Ask your mother. This continued until 
Yes, Barbie changed everything. Then, she changed it all again. All of these women are Barbie, and Barbie is all of these women. She might have started out as just a lady in a bathing suit, but she became so much more. She has her own money, her own house, her own car, her own career. Because Barbie can be anything, women can be anything. And this has been reflected back onto the little girls of today in the real world. Author Deborah Monroe wrote on her blog about the epic battle of the grandmothers that ensued over Barbies versus baby dolls as the toys she should have as a child. Lois, the grandmother with the creative free spirit, bought her baby dolls. Ruth, the traditional homemaker, bought her baby dolls in every size and shape imaginable. Ruth didn't think Barbies were appropriate toys for little girls and believed that girls should play with baby dolls in order to learn to be good mothers. This led to Lois absolutely buying every Barbie and Barbie-related accessory for Deborah that she could get her hands on, just to spite Ruth. A hilarious story, but one that highlights the very important issue at the heart of the creation of Barbie. Barbie was the first mass-produced doll to not be a baby doll when she was released in 1959. It was a major change for the representation of women in the realm of toys, which are arguably some of the most formative parts of modern childhood. The toys you play with, the games you play, are going to impact how your brain develops. Baby dolls are, at their core, a propaganda tool. Well, all children toys have been propaganda for a very long time, really. Throughout history, toys have acted as tools of gender role socialization. Boys get action figures, toy guns, and G.I. Joe cartoons, while girls get baby dolls, play kitchens, and makeup kits. And nowhere is the difference between the marketing of toys for boys and girls more noticeable than it is during the 1950s. This makes a lot of sense, considering that this is also the period in which the specific gender color coding we've come to expect today, pink for girls, blue for boys, became popularized. The 1950s becomes the breeding ground for the modern ideas of what traditional gender roles and behaviors should be. Mamie Eisenhower's inauguration pink ball gown in 1953 and her statements like, Ike runs the country, I turn the pork chops, and I have a career, his name is Ike, really set the tone for the gender role expectations for women in the post-war period. In any case, let's listen to a selection of ads for toys from the mid-century. I've got a secret to tell you. Mommy! See? She has a new baby. And so have I. Teeny Tiny Tears. And my baby can do almost anything hers can do. Teeny Tiny Tears drinks and has to be changed, just like a real baby. And look at the fun you'll have giving Teeny Tiny Tears a bath. Why, she's so happy, she's blowing a bubble. And you can dress Teeny Tiny Tears in any one of many beautiful outfits you can buy. When she cries, Teeny Tiny Tears sing her to sleep. Dry your tears, Tiny Tears, you're my very own baby. Mother's here, Tiny Tears, singing you a lullaby. Teeny Tiny Tears with beautiful outfits at Teeny Tiny Prices. Take your new baby home today. G.I. Joe, G.I. Joe, fighting man from head to toe, on the land, on the sea, in the air. G.I. Joe, attack! Boom, boom! G.I. Joe, take the hill! Bam, bam! Terrific battle! 
terrific equipment to have a battle with. When you get G.I. Joe and the authentic G.I. Joe equipment, you'll have the greatest realism, the greatest fun you ever had in playing soldier. Box after box of authentic uniforms and equipment so you can change your G.I. Joe soldier into a camouflage marine ready for battle, a Navy frogman with complete scuba suit and inflatable life raft, an Air Force pilot with high-altitude helmet and air vest, Get G.I. Joe and get G.I. Joe equipment so you can set up exciting battle action whenever you want. Remember, only G.I. Joe is G.I. Joe. Both of these commercials are advertising for dolls, but there's a marked difference in the type of play that is expected from each kind and from each gender. Even the toy commercials that were toys that were advertised as gender neutral feature a pretty clear message on gender roles. One Lego commercial from the 1950s has both boys and girls playing with the toy, but when the boy plays, he builds an airplane. When the girl plays, she builds a cute little suburban house, complete with landscaping. And this isn't to say that Barbie changed all of that. Barbie was still part and parcel of a set of gender role expectations. Mattel marketed different toys to boys and girls that filled those expectations as well. Take these two Mattel commercials, for instance. Yesterday, I bought a phone with dress, and I got a new boyfriend, and I became queen of the prom. Queen of the prom? And I'm going to do it all again today. Again? Sure, playing Mattel's wonderful Barbie game. Here's how you play. Start at home, then you shop for a formal. And your Barbie and Mitch dolls play along, too. And you get all sorts of surprises. Go to parties. You might even get a boyfriend. It might even be Ken. Then you can go to the prom. And if you win, you can be queen of the prom, just like Barbie. Gee, queen of the prom. Well. It was bedtime, all right. But there was Billy playing a new game, protecting Earth from flying saucers. A flying saucer had landed, and out of it popped a saucer man. Show him your new Mattel Thunderbird gun, Billy. It fires with a real vibrating action in an entirely new way. No caps, no batteries. Pull the boat, adjust the movable sight, and you're ready to fire again. That's not all, saucer man. Look at this new Mattelomatic machine gun. Crank off a smoking burst or single shot. Too much for Mr. Saucer Man. Those guns are just out of this world. Okay, Billy, back into bed now. <laughs> yes, both of Billy's guns are those safe, sturdy Mattel toys. The bolt action Thunderburp gun is $3, and the Mattelomatic 30 caliber air-cooled machine gun is only $1.80. They're yours wherever toys are sold. You can tell it's Mattel. It's swell. Gotta love that shoot-first, ask-questions-later approach to visitors from outer space that Mattel was pushing. But outside that little issue, there's a clear difference in the marketing. But that being said, the marketing between the baby dolls of the 1950s and Barbie are also nearly night and day in respect to the expectations and priorities of girls. Take this advertisement for one popular 1950s doll, the Betsy Wetsy, compared to the 1960s advertisement for the Barbie Dreamhouse. Let's all swing along with Ideal's new Betsy Wetsy. Come along, swing along with Betsy Wetsy, a baby doll that's really new. Rub-a-dub in her tub with Betsy Wetsy, the doll Ideal made just for you. Betsy's tub goes here, Betsy's tub goes there, her hair is almost real. 
so bathe and dress and care for for you, she is ideal. Ideal's Betsy Wet drinks and wets and cries and frets. All of Betsy Wetsies come with layettes. And you can get Betsy Wetsy with wind-up swings or with her own tub that fits any bathtub. What's going on here? A housewarming. Right. Now, Mattel's famous Barbie has a brand-new dream house with special furniture that's fun to put together and even a sliding door that really opens. Inside, there's a big new closet with hangers for all the Barbie costumes you buy. Best of all, Barbie's new dream house is lots bigger now. You can actually change the size and shape of the rooms, like this, or this, or lots of other ways. You'll love Barbie's wonderful dream house. It really is a dream. Betsy Wetsy is a doll that you play with as a mother, practicing maternal instincts while you bathe, dress, and change their diaper. On the other hand, Barbie is an extension of the girl herself, someone she can imagine herself being. And Barbie is not a mother. She's the main character in her own story. The story focuses on her, not her child. She has her own car, her own house. Basically, she's the epitome of a Kesha song. So instead of little girls being encouraged to imagine themselves as mothers, you have a generation of young girls being encouraged to see themselves as independent women who don't need a man or a child to have a fulfilling life. Barbie is the prototype for the modern woman. Of course, the main problem, as Margot Robbie pointed out in one interview for the Barbie film, is that image of life wasn't actually attainable for women when Barbie first emerged on the scene in the 1950s. Barbie went to the moon before women were allowed credit cards, and you're like, Oh yeah, and like Barbie did all this stuff at a time when they could not have any financial autonomy in their lives and you're like, surely that infiltrated our collective mind in some way and made us go, hmm, I want a dream house, I want my own house, I want my own car, I want to do whatever job I want to do. Anyways, that got deep, sorry. Do you have a quick fun answer for that question? No, that was amazing. <laughs> By the time the Supreme Court had decided that states couldn't ban married women from getting birth control with Griswold versus Connecticut in 1965, Barbie had already been a fashion designer, flight attendant, registered nurse, ballerina, and a professional tennis player. By the time the first state passed a no-fault divorce law in 1970, and the Supreme Court decided that states couldn't stop single women from getting birth control with Eisenstadt versus Baird in 1972, and abortion was legalized by Roe versus Wade in 1973, Barbie had been an astronaut and a fashion magazine editor. Around the same time that women were guaranteed equal access to credit cards and mortgages by the Equal Credit Opportunity Act in 1974, Barbie was an Olympic skier. The same year that my mother was denied a library card in Lake Charles, Louisiana, because my dad wasn't there to give her permission to have one, Barbie became a fashion model, Olympic swimmer, and actress. That's a story you'll hear more about in May for my Mother's Day episode, by the way. You'll also get to meet my mom. And by the time the 50th state in America finally criminalized marital rape in 1993, Barbie had been a veterinarian, rock star, travel agent, small business owner, UNICEF ambassador, figure skater, member of the United States Air Force, rapper, and police officer. Barbie was an icon. Barbie is an icon. Are there problems when it comes to her measurements, crass commercialism, and the slow adaptation of Barbie to diversity? 
Yeah, of course, no one is perfect, and she was made by Mattel, the same company that encouraged young boys to shoot saucer people with wind-up machine guns in the 1950s. We take what we can get. But Sasha has it more than a bit wrong when she says that Barbie set back the feminist movement 50 years. I'm not going to give Barbie more credit than she's due. I'm sure the feminist movement would have done just fine without her. But she didn't set them back. If anything, she encouraged a generation of women to look beyond the foregone conclusion of a life dedicated to motherhood because their childhood was shaped by dolls that required diaper changes because they really wet themselves. And for that, we should be grateful. Thank you for tuning in to hear me bitch about history again. I know this is a slightly shorter episode than usual, but I am more than making up for that fact with a 90-minute episode next week with a special guest. Bitchy History also has a new merch store. Find it at tpublic.com slash user slash bitchy history and check out the new merchandise designs that I'm going to be rolling out there. Also, if you'd like to donate to my 2024 conference fund to help me afford my academic conferences, I'm slated to present research at two different conferences this spring. You can donate at ko-fi.com slash Professor Meredith. I'll see you back here next week for a very detailed bitch session about the Puritans. Trust me, you will enjoy it. Unless you have fond feelings for William Bradford, Marjorie Taylor Greene, or Lauren Boebert. But in that case, you were already listening to the wrong podcast, and I don't know what to tell you. Mm-hmm.